What's up, everybody? It's Brian Horning here with the Security Squad Podcast. Today, I have my co-hosts, both Randy, Brian, and Reginald Andre with us. Welcome back, Andre. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Yeah, you too. So we miss you, Andre. You you kind yeah. of you kind of left us hanging for a couple of weeks. Oh man, uh, I was too bad. And uh, we know you were sick because because. Uh, Randy told everybody on the last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> With your permission. <laughs> so uh, glad you're feeling better. How's the, yeah, uh, much better. How's the weather in, in Miami, Florida? Sunny, man. Just got some iguanas uh, running around in the yard, but uh, very nice and sunny. Nice. So, uh, uh, Randy, how you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Doing great. Excited about all the things we're going to talk about today. Nice. So how's the weather in South Texas? It's uh, beautiful. Yesterday it was like 86 was the high, mm -hmm. which feels cold to us when we go outside. Andre knows what I'm talking about. Felt great yesterday. Like it was like almost emotional. It felt so great. And today's going to be up to like 95 or so. So it's kind of back to normal. Nice. So we're, we're in, we're in the upper seventies. We're a little chilly today, but um wow we're gonna be getting up back into the 80s we were in the 80s over the weekend and then we had some rain roll through so we're in the we're only 68 right now here in philly so not too bad but it's sunny and it's nice so um i hope uh everyone's uh joining us it looks like we got a few viewers already hopping on here so we're gonna get rolling into the content uh but before we do remember Andre, Randy, and I don't get uh, any paid promotions. We don't annoy you with commercials, and we certainly don't get paid for this podcast. The only thing that we ask and the only fee that we charge is that you share our podcast out to your friends and family. Uh, cybersecurity is becoming a major uh, thing that affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways in their lives, whether it's affected them at their workplace um, or it's affected them at home with their own personal computers, but we're starting to see even bigger attacks happen to uh, smart homes, smart devices, and things like that. And we're moving into uh, that phase of, of cyber criminals, right? They're moving into attacking all these different devices. Uh, it's not just about putting ransomware on computers and servers and infecting businesses. They're coming after the average everyday ordinary person. So we do this podcast to educate people. We try to break things down to a non-technical level so the average Joe understands this and understands how it affects their lives. So if you have any questions or comments, drop them uh, down below. We will see them. We do use StreamYard. You need to give StreamYard permission in order for us to see it within our studio. Otherwise, we'll answer it after we are done recording the show. So now that we got that out of the way, Let's jump into our first topic, which are ransomware attacks that are going on right now. So the first one I want to talk about, and I'll share my screen here in a minute, but you guys can start um, giving your input on this, is this. So we had Joe Biden uh, meet up with Vladimir Putin uh, last week at a summit. Major topic of conversation was the um, ransomware attacks that the U.S. has attributed to Russian entities uh, being the ones behind it. So Mr. Biden decided to give Mr. Putin a list of 16 sectors or entities that we're not supposed to be attacking anymore or, or else. 
Um, what that, what the or else means, I think, means a whole lot of nothing because there is really no, you know, bite behind the bark. Um, but they weren't supposed to attack hospitals, and here we go. We have a hospital under attack. So um, one of you guys just get into kind of briefly bring everybody up to speed on who's being attacked, when it started. Let's get into the, the high-level details, and then we'll talk about, uh, you know, everything else behind it. I wanted to uh, just add to that what we talked about last week that, you know, it just seems kind of, I don't know, it doesn't seem very effective to say that certain areas are off limits. Like, why wouldn't everything be off limits for an attack? Why would that be um, acceptable? So here we go. We've got an attack right now um, that is, uh, I guess they're in process right now at Wolf uh, Clinic. Um, hit by a cyber attack. Is that the one we are, uh, want to uh, talk about? They're, they're, they're actually another, they're not a hospital, right? But they're a medical facility. Okay. They're, they're an eye clinic, but the one, the, there's an actual hospital, St. Joseph's Candler down in Savannah, Georgia, that is under attack as well. So, um, and they've been under attack since I think Thursday of last week. Yeah, and I think that's just one of those things where it's like you, you you put the do not like the red line type of thing, right? You know, don't pass this red line. And here you are a week later, the red line has been crossed. So like now what? Yeah, I mean, as I've said, and I and I kind of thought when this all went down in the first place, that because there was no repercussion behind if you attack these entities, here's what we're going to do. And then you immediately have a hospital in the United States who's attacked. Um, what is that going to tell you? I mean, what, what do you, what do you guys think about this stuff? I mean, if you're, you know, outside of being cybersecurity people, what do you guys think about when, when the government lays down or draws a line in the sand and then something like this happens immediately after and it barely makes the news, right? Um, I had to pull this up on a on a local Savannah station. I don't hear about this hospital on, you know, all the major news channels like I did with uh, JBS Meat and Colonial Pipeline. So, what are your guys' thoughts on this? You know, just from an example with life, life in general. I mean, you typically don't just go ask a bully to stop bullying you and they quit. I mean, so. Okay, so that dialogue has been started with the Russians, but we can't just sit back and assume that, oh, we're not going to be attacked in those particular areas. So these industries are going to have to continue or get started along that process to being cyber secure. There's just no ifs, ands or buts about it. And if I was the head of a hospital or if I was the head of one of those other, you know, actually my business is in one of those 16 industries. I'm not going to sit around and wait for the government to, you know, negotiate something with Russia. I'm already down that road and I'm going to stay down that road and I'm going to act like it's just me that's in charge of me. Um, and, you know, if the government can can negotiate things and make stuff happen, that's great. But I'm not going to sit back and, and rely on rely on that. And neither should these businesses, as far as I'm concerned. I think they need to stay vigilant. Um, and keep on top of their cybersecurity. 
How about you, Andre? How are you feeling about this? Um, no, it just goes back to say that, you know, we need as as far as um, kind of like what Randy is saying, as a business, you cannot rely on the government. And at the same time, the government cannot give these phantom, hey, don't cross this red line. And then they cross the red line and then you don't see an immediate action because now what are the cyber guys and cyber hackers going to do? They're going to continue because there's no repercussion. There's nothing immediate to, to sting them to stop. Right. So the other one that Randy brought up is this Wolf Clinic, and they were hit by a cyber attack. And they decided the interesting thing about this one, and we don't know what's going on at the hospital in Savannah, because um, they haven't released too many details behind that attack, quite frankly. I know that the FBI is helping out. We really don't know who is behind the attack yet. So we don't even know if it's a Russian organization that's behind the attack. Um, but um, let me pull up my screen here in a second. But we're going to jump into this particular attack with Wolf uh, that you mentioned, Randy. And um, Andre, what are the details behind this since you were the one who kind of brought this to our attention? So, um, so Wolf Clinic is essentially a major uh, vision care provider. So they, they, they categorize in the healthcare um, and they essentially got breached. And now they're in the process of notifying 500 current and former patients that their personal identifiable information has been exposed. And the reason why I like this is because I kind of, although they got hacked, I liked what they did afterwards and how they're notifying the patients. Got it. So, so not only that, but I like the fact that uh, I guess Luke Bland is their CFO and he's pretty, he's pretty, pretty blunt about things. You know, he goes in this article and he says um, that the attackers have been somewhat re relentless, which we know they are. When you are hit with a cyber attack, you're not that these hackers don't like just drop a, a readme file on your computer and say, Hey, your files have been encrypted. Contact us. They email you. They blast emails to whoever they can at your company. They call your phone. Um, they call your company. They they basically tell you, like, we have your system. We know we have your system, and we want to get paid. Uh, so he goes into and says they are very uh, sophisticated group, but when it came down to it, Wolf, at Wolf Eye Clinic, we don't do business with criminals. Mm -hmm. We have strong data backups. Due to that, we did not lose patient information. Paying the ransom would not have have out our patients in any better situation. So we were very thankful for those backups. Now, you guys, we talk about this all the time with double extortion. I kind of look at his comments and I kind of wonder if he's even aware of what double extortion is. It, it sounds like he's not. I mean, he said that you know, paying it wouldn't have put their their clients in any kind of a better situation. It almost sounds like they are aware that client data has been breached and, you know, sent out to the Internet. If you look at the next paragraph talking about sending out a notice to the clients and telling them what to do. And they have, they've had to set up a call center um, to handle questions. Um, so you're right. They're probably not not aware of of you know the, the double extortion they're probably not, a, not don't have any kind of like back uh, encryption that's tied to their network either for that data you know so there's a lot more i think coming than he realizes probably yeah and the the interesting thing to me is is as a business owner 
you're going to go through this decision-making process, right? If you have the right people advising you, um, I hope he does. And I hope they're not just saying, cause we have backups, you're good. Um, because he's basically saying, in my opinion, well, the, these criminal people already have this data. So the breach has already occurred, but I feel like there's a failure to understand that they could release this to the public, right? Right now you have a controlled number of people who have access to this data. And the idea is, is that if you pay the ransom, they're not going to release it to the public. Do you, do you guys feel, what's your opinion about data that hackers have in their possession versus data that's now published on the dark web for anybody to basically come and look at. Do you feel like there's a difference or once the data is stolen, it doesn't matter who has it, you know, the patients are kind of screwed or is it, you know, no, they should do everything they can to protect this data. And, you know, I guess one way you could look at it is there's no guarantee that if you pay that ransom, they're still not going to release the data. I guess that's one way you could look at it. Uh, but historically, when you research these groups, if you pay them the double extortion ransom to not release the data, they typically don't release the data. Like we didn't hear anything from um, <laughs> the hackers behind JBS or Colonial when it comes to like releasing information on the dark web. There was none of that. Um, and that's because they paid the ransom. The companies that get released on the dark web are the ones that don't negotiate, don't pay the ransom. So it pretty much goes without question that Wolf is going to end up on a, a hacking brag site, so to speak. So what's your thought on that, Andre? And then we'll go over to, to Randy for his comments. I mean, we've always been, you know, advocating not to pay the ransom because we're just, um, we're just continuing this process. Um, I can understand what you're saying, but at the same time, for me, don't pay the ransom but they do need to understand that there will be lawsuits coming. There, there, once that information now is in the public, you're going to have a lawyer. He's going to do a class action lawsuit, and they're going to come after. They're going to come after the clinic. So um, I still stand by not paying it. And um, and and luckily, like the article said, they had a backup, and and they're back as business as usual. It's just going to suck for the um, for the clients, which also leads to one of the um, articles I had posted, Brian, about most people not even knowing that they got their information is out there as well. So that's also interesting as well. Um, so, yeah. So, Randy, so, what, are you, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, so, you know, I don't know. They, I, I would agree with um, what Andre is saying for sure. At the same time, I mean, by not paying the ransom, if the data is going to be released into the wild, I mean, they're going to go on a HIPAA wall of shame. Um, they'll be, you know, listed as a, a medical facility that allowed, you, you know, information to get out. They'll probably get fined for that. Um, I mean, it's a pretty sticky situation. You know, hopefully they've got some controls in place where they're able to see if data was actually breached. You know, if, um, if you know, just so they can they can know what kind of, stuff has actually happened but you know but bottom line i it's just a real i don't have a good solid answer for you I'm, yeah i'm really kind of on the fence on that one i mean 
I'm just concerned for them because it's it, it is there's HIPAA involved here, and you know I don't know their business, and if, but if they do happen to uh, bill Medicare, the last thing you want is to be put on a HIPAA blacklist. And I know enough doctors uh, and have a relationship with enough doctors to know that if you get put on the HIPAA blacklist, the insurance, the private insurers out there, health insurers, just follow suit with whatever Medicare is doing. So if you're on a blacklist for Medicare, you're basically on a blacklist for all insurance companies. So I, I, I don't know, man, I'm kind of thinking that I'm going to push my money or push my chips on the fact that I don't think Wolf Health is going to be in business for very long after this. Hmm. That's yeah. why I'm going to push my money. I mean, cause I've just seen it a million times. Mm -hmm. I don't see how they're going to get out of this. You know, if this data gets released, if this data gets released and the public has their hands on their data because of this breach, they're they're going to be in a lot of trouble, and I don't see how they they come out of that. So, so I'm going to jump into this one because I think this 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 one we're going to talk about with Microsoft warning everybody that hackers are using call centers to trick users into downloading ransomware. Well, this is nothing new. I think a lot of the people that watch and listen to this podcast are very aware of these types of scams where you see a pop-up on your computer or you get an email where it says like your security is expired and you have all these viruses and call this number and it's an 855 number usually and you call it and there's some foreign guy on the end of the line telling you that, you know, we'll take care of this for you. You just need to buy our security software. Now, if you've never fallen victim to one of these scams, what happens after you make that phone call is they <clears throat> pretend like they give you, like you, you basically call up and you pay for the security software, but then they pretend like they gave you a refund and they act like they add a zero. So if you paid, let's say you paid, you know, $75 for the software, they add a zero to the end of the 75 and they pretend like they refunded you like $750. And the what the read the premise for the refund is is that the the software didn't work, it didn't fix the problem. So they refund you the money and then it looks like they gave you back too much money and then they try to get you to send them $750 back or they make you go to the store and buy gift cards and send them $750 in gift cards. There's all these different scams behind these things. And now we're starting to see these evolve into these guys deploying ransomware um, to end users. So this affects everybody. This just isn't just a business scam. So I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Randy, what do you know about this type of attack and, and what's going on with this? Well, it is very common. And, you know, bottom line is Microsoft is never going to call you in a million years. Um, and they're also not going to put a pop-up on your screen saying that you need to pay them money. I know that it sounds familiar because maybe you're using a free antivirus, which I would not do, but maybe someone is and they get pop-ups to pay that way, or maybe they have McAfee or something like that. And, you know, and their subscription's about to run out. Um, but Microsoft's never going to call you and there's never, they're never going to do a pop-up on your computer, you know, asking for money for their antivirus software. So, 
you just, you know, call your IT professional if something like that happens. Don't call the 1-800 number and don't get involved um, in that at all. I mean, if you call the 1-800 number, then they're going to put a, you know, basically a number with you. It gives them a little more advantage for targeting you. And, you know, the best thing you can do is just don't do anything. Call your IT professional and make sure that it's not something worse than just a pop-up. But that's the other reason why I suggest people use ad blockers that block ads that don't follow strict guidelines. I mean, a lot of the content we use is free and developers need to get paid. So they need to go by strict guidelines for their ads. And then we need to have ad blockers that block everything else so that people can get paid that are legit, that block ads that aren't legit, because that's how a lot of this stuff happens. It's a it's a, an ad that has low standards and it allows a pop up um, that, you know, says you're infected or whatever. But but bottom but bottom line, I mean, you should have that on your computer. And bottom line is they're not going to reach out to you um, in the first place in a million years. They don't have like that kind of support, you know, where they're calling people proactively um, at Microsoft. So that's so, my three cents. So uh, what do you, what do you uh, know about this, Andre? So this happens all the time, all the time. Um, I've even had some of our clients where they're calling us and saying, hey, um, uh, I got a call from Microsoft, but then I'm not too sure about this. Should I do it? And things like that. And I've even seen instances, um, there's a, not to go too technical, but there's something that's preloaded on the computers now, which is called quick assist, which is an easy way to, for someone for support to actually get into your computer. And, um, and they're using that to get into the computers because a lot of times the software that us IT people put prevents, you know, log me in or team viewer or things like that. So this just goes back to user education. Cause as Brian, you mentioned, um, the people listening to this podcast right now more than likely know uh, not to do these type of things, but it's your employees, it's your users, and not low-level users or anything like that. It's just the t- it could be executives. They're the ones who need to be reminded of that. It only take the calls from IT. Never, uh, like you said, Randy, uh, call the little pop-up that may come up on on the screen, and um, and and don't give your credit card number out to anybody. All right, so just be, I think it's important to cover this, but this particular article goes into exactly what this scam looks like and how this happens. Um, so security researchers uh, noticed this malware called Bizarre Loader, and they've seen activity since February of 2021 that is an unusual pattern of call center activity and Bizarre Loader infection. So basically... Call center activity like this, like these scams, typically hasn't resulted in ransomware. And now we're starting to see a shift in instead of kind of using that antivirus scam that we talked about at the beginning of this segment, they're using they're deploying ransomware. And what he wrote was that the first step in the chain is a phishing email informing the target that a trial subscription to some service has ended and will soon be billed, listing a phone number for customer support. When you contact them, the call center operator directs the target to download an infected Excel spreadsheet, and then they have to enable macros on it, and then informs them that they have successfully unsubscribed from the service. 
unbeknownst to the target, the bizarre loader is now in control of their machine and can download whatever malware to from whomever's behind a, a hack once. So that's how it works. Like you're going to get an email that says a trial subscription to something you probably never subscribed to. Now, look, these come in in the form of like Norton antivirus, right? Or McAfee antivirus. So if you've subscribed to Norton in the past, this might trick you. So it's very important you examine these emails and you look at them. And quite frankly, if you're ever asked to download something like an Excel spreadsheet and enable macros on it from somebody you don't know, it's more than likely a really bad idea. Right. So for the sake of that, we only have about five minutes uh, to record the rest of the show. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about that, but that's where we're at with this. This is probably going to be something that increases uh, with more frequency over time where we see these types of, um, of uh, attacks that are normally just scams to get money out of people, like through gift cards and, and direct payments, are now people are just going to get more ransomware now. Um, and like, you'll get hit for ransomware. Like you won't be JBS meat where you're getting hit for $4 million. You'll get hit for like 700 bucks, a thousand bucks. And then, and these call centers will be happy to take your money. Um, so I'm going to cover uh, a couple quick ones here. Uh, we'll go through them very quickly because there's actually not a whole lot to talk about. Um, but we do have, uh, the city of Tulsa is back in the news again. Now they were hit with ransomware, right around the time uh, Colonial Pipeline was. They were, I think, hit almost the same weekend. Um, and now Tulsa finds themselves in a, in a sticky situation because, as we talked about earlier, now 18,000 Tulsa City files were leaked in a ransomware attack. Um, I, unfortunately, have not had time to go on the dark web this week, so I don't know who's behind this. Uh, the article might tell us, but... What do you guys know about this? Are we kind of just kicking a dead horse here when we're, when we're talking about double extortion and all this stuff? But here we are two months after the actual attack almost, uh, or probably a month, right? And, he, and these files are now being released, right? You know, and I think Wolf is in the same boat, right? They're not seeing files be released. They don't think it's going to cause any damage, but a month <laughs> now it could be a completely different story. Um, so you guys have anything to add to this or we moving on? Well, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was saying I have nothing to add. Right. I have a question. Do we know, did the city initially pay the ransomware? They did uh, not. What's that? No, they did not. Okay. So I wasn't hundred percent sure on that. I know I covered the ransomware attack, but I wasn't sure about the payment. Yeah, I have an article. Yeah, May 26th, uh, they said they, they would not pay the ransomware demand. Okay. And so, I mean, there you go. I mean, that's right. If you don't pay the ransom, your, your files are going to be out there and then you're going to have to deal with that. So, you know, the city of Tulsa, you know, being that they're a government entity, they might not get, a, they might not get sued or hit with a class action lawsuit because it's really tough to sue any type of government. Um, especially the federal government, but I don't know about state and city, but you're going to see people be upset about it. I can tell right. you. Um, so let's talk about a couple things that are going on in terms of the solar winds attack. 
um, talk about downstream type of things that go on. And, you know, the reason I wanted to bring this one up and why I think it's important, especially for business owners, is I have a lot of conversations with business owners and they seem to have the perspective, a lot of people seem to have the perspective that a ransomware type attack is like a one, it's like an event. It's like a point in time event. Something happens, we pay the money, we get through it. We pull from backups, we get through it. But the reality of it is, and what we're trying to highlight by talking about Scripps Health, double ex- or, or Wolf, Wolf uh, Eye Clinics and, and, and double extortion, and what we're seeing here with the SEC probing solar winds is that I liken these cyber attacks and I liken them to ransomware attacks to um, financial fraud or, or not paying your taxes, right? You can get away with not doing things for a very long period of time. You can get away with not paying for cybersecurity properly and securing your business and get away with it for many, many years and nothing ever happens, right? You can you cannot pay your taxes for many, many years and get away with it and, and nothing ever happens. Like we saw with Bernie Madoff, you can rip people off with Ponzi schemes and all kinds of stuff for many, many years and not and not get caught. But then one day the shit hits the fan, you get caught and everything prior to that is also included into everything that you're being charged with. And cybersecurity is no freaking different, people. You have to understand that one day you will get hit and everybody's going to come in and go, well, what were you doing? And they look back in history and they go, hey, you weren't doing this. You weren't doing that. You weren't doing enough. And now you as the business owner, you as the CEO, you are going to be labeled with all these things like irresponsible, you know, didn't do enough, buried their head in the sand or what? What's the term we like to talk about a lot? Gross negligence, right? People getting in trouble for gross negligence. So now we have SolarWinds getting probed by the SEC six months after that breach, right? And it's just like this snowball that keeps going and the cyber attack and it really never goes away. And how long can your business or a business like SolarWinds sustain all these companies and all these government um, entities looking under the hood of their business to see what they were doing and to see how they were handling things? What do you guys want to add to this one? I would just even say, um, since we know about SolarWinds, they even had a a particular product where they decided to just scrap the name SolarWinds just to disassociate themselves from that so that they they wouldn't lose future. Randy? Well, a couple things. So first, first off, you know, it's really, it's really going to boil down to full disclosure and honesty in situations like this is going to be the best for your company in the long run. Um, And on a little bit of a side note, just this week, so I'm in Texas, Texas already has like its own version of HIPAA laws, which in many cases are more strict than regular HIPAA. And they've this just this past week, they passed a basically a wall of shame law. And if you have a breach um, of customer data of a resident of the state of Texas, your company is going to go on their website, the attorney general's website. They're going to set up a wall of shame, HIPAA or not. And it's going to go up on that. Uh, wall basically on that website for a year. If you don't have any more, um, you know, if you don't have any more breaches in that year, then it will drop off. I mean, so I guess where I'm going with that is I really feel like 
long term, being honest and having full disclosure and just dealing with it is much better than trying to just, you know, hide it, hope people don't find out, you know, which which this solar winds thing is like a freaking onion because, you know, there was the initial hack. And then we've learned since then that they were able to get into Microsoft and pull source code for Microsoft products. And then that's how they did the exchange hack was they they were able to look over the source code and find vulnerabilities. We don't know how deep this thing's going to be. And really the best way to get to the bottom of it is for all these companies to do full disclosure and be honest. So well, as a publicly traded company, that's why the SEC is getting involved because they're publicly right. traded and they, and they, and they want to, they want answers, right? And, you know, and they're probably not, we're probably not getting the full picture of what's going on from the company. So they're just going to use their power uh, that they have over publicly traded companies and, and figure out, you know, what really went on here and what lessons can we learn from it, which I think is a great idea. And I think I'm all for it because too much of cyber attacks and too many businesses get away with doing things, you know, in secrecy and, and, and pushing things under the rug. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got to wrap up cause I actually have to run to uh, a meeting, but I'm going to share one last thing with everybody. And that's, that's the, uh, and we can probably talk about this on the next podcast, but you know, all the things we're talking about here, we're, and we've mentioned it before, we're just at the beginning of ransomware attacks. And if anybody thinks that there's going to be some magic silver bullet that comes along either from government or private industry, I'm here to tell you today that that's not going to happen. And this came out uh, from a research firm that looked at what ransomware could look like in, in 10 years. And they're saying that the cost of ransomware will hit 265 billion in 10 years. Um, right now, in 2021, ransomware has cost businesses right around three quarters of a billion. So we're only about 750 million, right? We're only halfway through the year, but let's say we continue at that pace, we're going to be at 1.5 billion by the end of this year. So that means this is going to 200 and you know 200x in 10 years uh i would start paying attention to this stuff now if i were you so what do you guys want to add to the, those numbers yeah also um fpl which is the largest energy utility company in florida florida power and light the uh -huh. ceo uh yesterday announced on the uh, on the news article saying that cyber attacks threats will exist forever yeah. I mean, they will until we rethink how we're doing things. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of things have to be rethought from a fundamental level and how we build networks and how, you know, things are constructed, how software is developed, how SaaS applications are rolled out. A lot of things have to be rethought, in my opinion, and, and kind of rebuilt from the ground up if you want to get rid of cybersecurity, you know, as a, as a thing that we need to worry about. Absent of that, and that's a pretty big undertaking, what I just mentioned right there, it's almost impossible in my mm -hmm. mind. Um, absent of that, you're going to have to hire cybersecurity professionals. You're going to have to dedicate time, money, and resources to cybersecurity in your business. And not only that, in your personal life. The U.S. just hired a new cybersecurity person to run CISA. They're calling them the cybersecurity czar. He said the same thing on an interview on his first day on the job where he said, 
Cybersecurity is going to become a personal responsibility for everybody. And it's kind of funny he said that because he must have been watching that podcast because I <laughs> talked about that with Randy last week saying it's going to be no different than strapping on a seatbelt for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's the world we're moving towards, and that's the reality. So maybe he'll suggest a Geneva Convention for uh, cyber crime, <laughs> cybersecurity, right? You, gotta you take heard the, it here first. You got to <laughs> take the clip of your audio and send it to him. So, <laughs> but that's it for me. I'm going to wrap up the show. Do you guys have any last thoughts or words for our audience before we uh, we end the broadcast? I do. Just to go real quick, right back to that yeah. call center with Microsoft. Yes. Also keep in mind that they're looking for, um, these hackers are looking for your domains. Your domains are publicly, uh, it's open information as far as when it expires. And they'll also just try to reach out to you to say your domain is about mm -hmm. to expire. Yep. And that they'll just use that as another way to, to grab your credit card or yep. to get access to your computer. Yep. The days of the Nigerian prints are over. They realize that those tactics don't work, right? So they're getting smarter. They're looking for things. They're looking for things where they can make it seem like it's a legitimate renewal or something like that. So, Yeah, we, we had a joke like five, ten years ago that if the cyber criminals ever learn how to spell, we're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> you know, not only have they reached that level, I mean, they've, they've taken it like ten times, hundred times past that. Yep. Great point. Great show, guys. Thank you so much uh, for your time and your insight today. Uh, our audience uh, will surely be uh, enjoying, I'm sure, this podcast. And then uh, remember, guys, we don't get paid for this. So if you made it this far on your walk, in your gym, uh, with your workout or in the car or however you listen to us, and um, you made it this far, you're a fan, and we hope that you take that fandom and share it out with your friends and family and say, hey, these guys really break down cybersecurity uh, to your level and a level you all understand, you might want to listen to it. So we actually had that happen last week. Somebody reached out to me and said, can you send me a link to your podcast so I can get it out to my peeps, um, which was really awesome. And we really appreciate that kind of stuff, guys, and uh, help us spread the word for cybersecurity and get everyone out there protected. So we'll talk to you all next week. Peace out. All right. All right. Have a good one.